You may be seated. How about you just turn to the person beside you and say good morning, high five for Jesus. Great to have you in church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God is good, amen? He is. <laughs> I've got my cup of tea this morning, just in case my voice starts to turn froggy. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for giving me voice to speak this morning. Thursday, I was at school on Thursday doing my chaplaincy role, and I nearly text uh, a few other people uh, to say, uh, do you feel like preaching this weekend? Because I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to. <laughs> but praise God, I, I have a voice. I have life in these lungs. So I'm going to preach this morning. And uh, I'm excited about what God, I believe, wants to do in us today. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. As Kim said already, welcome this morning. If you're a visitor, if you're here for the first time, or if you've been away and you're back, it's great to see you. Um, God is good. And uh, I believe He wants to do a good thing in us this morning. Amen? Awesome. I want to ask you this morning, what are, the, your, what are your greatest memories? Those moments you, you look back and you just think, yeah. I could almost be that guy, couldn't I? It's like, yeah. I just don't have the blue and white check shirt. That's all right. But, uh, what, are those, what are those memories you look back on and you just think, yeah, that was so, so good. What if you've got memories? Maybe, maybe it was when your first child was born. You're like, that was just the most amazing memory. Some of you are sort of going, no, no, I just want to forget that moment. <laughs> I don't know. Um, what, are, what, are, what are your greatest memories? Maybe it's a time you had with God and it was just a, an intimate, intimate, amazing time with God. Some of your greatest memories, I know some of mine are those moments. Maybe there's moments when you accomplish something, you achieve something that you never thought you could do and you, you, you stood up to that task and you, you did it. And you overcame the obstacles and you look back on that and you just go, yeah. I love that look. Everyone have a go. Ready? One, two, three. Yeah. The 50% of you did it. Fantastic. That's good. Um, one, of, one of the greatest memories you have, the greatest things you look back on and you think, that was just amazing. I know for me, as I, as I think about those great memories, it also makes me think, what are the things that I'm now pursuing I've had those great memories, but what am I now pursuing? What are you pursuing in this life? Because I know if I think about it, I have these strange memories. You might think I'm a little weird when I tell you this, but I have these, these memories when I'm driving along in the car sometimes. And I might be driving to Lawn, I might be driving to Labors Hill. I know there was a time we were driving up to Newcastle, and we're driving out of the hills out of Sydney. And I have these moments in the car. This is me, I'm being raw and honest here right now. We're driving along in the car, but... I just want to be outside of the car on a bike because I have these memories of riding up those hills out of Sydney and, and to Lavers Hill and to Lawn and, and I, I just love riding up big hills. And you're going, he's wacko. And, and I have these great memories of, of being fit and, and riding up these hills and just being up on the pedals and up off the seat and it's, it's just conquering the mountain. Maybe you have those memories about other things, but that's, that's my memory. But then yesterday, I did this bike race. It was 52 kilometers around Driite, Wool Wool, and around Whoop Whoop, and through Alvey, and it's weird. I, I've done that ride many, many times, 10 years ago or more. 
and I don't remember there being any hills. I just, it was just a nice flat ride. I used to do that once, twice a week, like 80Ks, just go out and do that. That was my small day, and, and I just thought, oh, that was a pretty flat course. But yesterday, I find someone's put some hills there, and I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm not ready for this. But I ride up these hills, and I'm thinking, this is not the memory I had. But I want to say this morning that I wonder, just maybe, if sometimes our greatest memories, those memories we have of things that were beautiful and wonderful in their season, that we look back on those things and we want to recreate those things and we actually get distracted from pursuing the things that God has for us in this season and in the seasons to come. Because I believe I will never climb a mountain on a bike like I did back then. I used to spend 30 hours a week training to get up that mountain and then sprint at the finish. But I just wonder if maybe the, the, the memories we have, those great, amazing, wonderful times with God even that we had, those memories that we might be trying to recreate those things sometimes when it's not God's intention for us to go back to the old thing. I think the passage it talks about the former things have passed away. Behold, I'm making all things new. God doesn't want us to live out of yesterday's experience and to pursue that thing that we've had before. He wants us to go on today into the new thing, into the new path, the new challenges that He has for us today. In a way, I think life is a little bit like. Uh, a strand of wool, and I've, I've got a bag of wool here, I've got to find the end, don't you hate it when you, you had the end, and I cannot see it, oh, there we are, life is a, a little bit like a strand of wool, and I don't know if you can even see that little fine strand from back there, but we build our life day by day like a strand of wool, and to be honest, I, I stole this analogy off Brian, thank you Brian, we were talking about this after church, a slightly different context, but I thought that's, that's brilliant, um, can I borrow that, and he said yes, so thank you. We build our life, it's like a little strand and the choices we make, they're just little strands of wool. And at, at times we think the choices we make are insignificant. They're just one choice, it's one step, it's one, one day, one moment, we make that choice and we do that thing and it's like we're building that, the, the life that we have one strand at a time. We think, oh, one strand, that's easy, I'll, I'll do that today and tomorrow I'll just, you know, I need to put that down or I'm going to smash that. Um, we, we break it, it's like, that was one choice, that's easy, I can, I can turn my back on that. But every choice, every step we take leads us to the destination we take our next step from. And the choices we make, the, the, the things that we do, you know, addiction starts with one choice. And I, I thank God that I, I made the decision never to drink alcohol because I never wanted to get drunk and I thought, well, why go there? I just don't want to drink. Uh, so that, that was a choice I never had to break or, or stop because it was a choice I didn't want to make. And we make choices every day that become the foundation of the choices we make tomorrow. And that's not to say everyone needs to make the same choices, but we, we need to know what God is calling us to. Now, I need a volunteer this morning, and I need someone who's feeling fit and healthy and strong. And someone I just looked at just looked the other way immediately. <laughs> um, Matt, here he is. Give him a hand. Thanks, Matt. Fantastic. So, okay, Matt's, Matt's a pretty strong guy. I, I, I got the tap on the leg. Oh, <laughs> Good job. That little, it worked, that little chat. No, we, we didn't chat. So can you just hold this one for a second? I'm going to wrap Matt up with this. Now, Matt's pretty strong, but let's see if, we can, if he can do it. Now, he's made a few choices. I'm going to get dizzy if I keep doing it this way. Um, 
But uh, we'll, we'll just stop there for a moment. So Matt's, Matt's pretty strong. I'm going to pull this tight. And Matt's pr- he's done a few things, but oh, he's broken it already. There we go. Uh, no, that was you. That wasn't me. That was... So what, one or two choices, a couple of days, like we do make some choices. We go down a path. Oh, it's like we can break that off. That's easy. But I've got some more balls of wool, and we've got about oh, maybe 30 minutes or so. <laughs> Matt had no idea what he was getting himself into. So I'm going to need a volunteer, and we're going to get Matt to just go and stand over here, and we're just going to keep wrapping him for the next half an hour while I'm speaking. Um, oh, sorry, next 15 minutes, of course. Yeah. Um, and we're just going to keep wrapping him to see how he goes at the end of the service to try and get out of that. That's right, you can sing tied up, that's all right. Um, so we, can I have a volunteer to come and start wrapping these balls of wool? Actually, sorry, I'm kidding. I, 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 I thought that, that was going to be too distracting, wasn't it? Thanks, Matt. <laughs> But um, just imagine we did do that. And uh, I thought, well, I didn't want to do it this morning because I thought it would be too distracting. So I thought, well, here's one we prepared earlier. And I want to say thank you, Matt, for being so generous in, in allowing us to do that to you. And Tom and JP, that was a fantastic job. Some of you don't know if I'm kidding or not. Um, <laughs> but one choice... It's just one choice. It's easy to break. But we build a life, one choice, one decision, one day at a time. And as we, day by day by day by day, we build the life that we have. And the choices we make as we go down that path, as we continue to wrap that thread around our life, we build a life a certain way. And it's very difficult. In fact, I, I, I would have liked to just get his arms in there, but Matt wasn't so keen. Um, and we, we would have liked to have his arms and legs like tied together so he couldn't really move at all. That would have been more fun. But um, Matt's going to say, everyone's going to talk to me about this afternoon. <laughs> You're gone. Um, but it would be very difficult to break a thousand strands wrapped around your body. I think I'd feel quite claustrophobic in that moment. But our life is a little bit like that thread. We only build it one thread at a time. But what life are we building? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 to 18, I think we're actually reading, is the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. They may say, come and join us. Let's hide and kill someone. Now I've got to say, I read that and I'm thinking, I don't think many of us would say that. At least I look out at you and I'm thinking, I hope you're not thinking about saying that. Hopefully not. Anyway, we'll keep reading. Just, not just for fun, but it says just for fun. Let's ambush the innocent. Let's swallow them alive like the grave. Let's swallow them whole like those who go down to the pit of death. Think of the great things we'll get. We'll fill our homes with all the stuff we take. Doesn't this sound horrible? (laughs) Verse 14, come, throw your lot in with us. We'll share the loot. My child, don't go along with them. Stay far away from their paths. They rush to commit evil deeds. They hurry to commit murder. If a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. But these people set an ambush for themselves. They are trying to get themselves killed, and yet they don't know it. Such is, all, such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. And I think you could replace the word money there for pleasure. 
those who are greedy for, for money, those who are greedy for pleasure, those who are greedy for bringing back those joys that they once had, those who are greedy for, for praise, those who are greedy for anything in this life. That is not the, 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 the desire to please and honour God, it robs us of life. If we pursue achievement, 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 accomplishment, praise, if we pursue things and more and more stuff, it robs us of life. If that is our pursuit, if that's the life that we're trying to build day by day by day, it will fall, it will crash, it will crumble, and the life we thought we have will end in darkness. This morning, I've titled my message, The Tax Collector Life. The Tax Collector Life. And we're going to look at a couple of tax collectors this morning. A guy named Levi, but he's also called Matt. Oh, there's... Oh, we didn't even prepare that. A guy by the name of Levi, who's also called, also called Matthew, and another guy by the name of Zacchaeus. And we don't know how these guys became tax collectors exactly. We don't know if that was like from a child they were growing up and maybe their families were really poor and they just thought, oh, I just want to grow up to have that life. I want to have that amazing gold jewellery that guy has. I, I want to have that bling. I want to have that Ferrari or big... Stallion, that's the way there. I want to have that life. I don't want to live, I don't want my family to come up and grow up in this, this poor life. I want, to have, I want to have that kind of money. I want, to have, I want to have riches. I want to have wealth. I don't want my children to have nothing. And maybe they pursued this tax collector life because they saw these other tax collectors with all this money. And they thought, that's the life I want. So strand by strand, they build and they build and they build and they, they pursue their dream and they become a tax collector. Maybe that's how it happened. And it says, as we're about to read, and they become very wealthy. But in the process of building that life of the tax collector, of becoming that tax collector, they may gain a lot of wealth, but they lose a lot of friends in the process. Because the tax collector life was, they were mostly Jews that were, that were collecting for the Romans. They were collecting the taxes of their own people and giving it to the Romans. So they weren't very popular because they'd be asked to get the taxes from... I'll pick someone. Someone. <laughs> I won't keep picking up. You shouldn't sit there. <laughs> no, you should, it's fine. They asked people to... The Romans would say, go and collect the taxes. Malachi deserves to pay $10,000 this year. But I'd come as a tax clerk and say, you owe me $15,000. And, and they'd skim off the top, they'd, they'd add a little extra and they'd put that in their pockets. And the Jews, they, they knew this, the people knew this and they, they hated them for it because they're taking their money and giving it to their occupiers. And then the Romans, well, they're not Romans, so why would they care about them? These tax collectors are hated. They're, they're called the scum of the earth by many. And they may have gained a lot of wealth, but they also lost a lot by the decisions they made and that, that strand that they continued to build in their life. We're going to have a look at what happens and what happens as they encounter Jesus, as they discover who Jesus is, as they meet Jesus and hear his call, how their life changes, the tax collector life. We're going to look at Luke chapter 19 to begin with. If you've got your Bible, I encourage you to open it up, bring your Bible to church, read along so you can circle things and, and remind yourself as you read through the Bible in your own time, the things that God's pointing out to you. Uh, even as we look at it together. Luke chapter 19 and verse 1. 
It says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. Don't you love the specificness of that? It's like, you know, that sycamore tree, it's like down on the left-hand side of the road down there. I just imagine him as he wrote this, thinking that's that sycamore tree down there. It's like, this isn't just a story, this, this happened. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes which I have, doesn't say that, but I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. I want to skip back a little bit to Luke chapter 5 and read the account of when Jesus calls Levi or Matthew. Luke chapter 5 and verse 27. It says, later as Jesus left town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in his tax collector booth. I picture like a little lemonade stand sort of thing, but I'm guessing it probably wasn't like that. But anyway. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up. He left everything and followed him. I have a feeling he had some idea who Jesus was at that point even. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honour. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. I want to bring out just three short points from these passages this morning that I believe God wants to impress upon us today. Number one is that Jesus will never forget your name. Jesus will never forget your name. It doesn't matter how long you have built a life of greed, of pleasure, of maybe even hatred towards people or God. It does not matter how long or how far you, you wander away from God's plan. It doesn't matter if you haven't prayed for a, a year, a week, 10 years or a lifetime. God will never forget your name. I love the way he points out in, in Luke 19, he says, he calls him by name and then he says, Zacchaeus. It's like he sort of says it twice. He doesn't just say, Jesus said, Zacchaeus. He points out, Jesus calls him by name. And he said, Zacchaeus. I believe God is calling us all by name this morning. That God would want to speak to every one of our hearts individually this morning and say, Rach, Justin. I'm going to call, I don't want to say everyone's name. He wants to call you by name. 
He knows you. He will not forget you. He will not abandon you. He will never forget your name. He calls you by name. And he wants you to know that he will not forget you. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 says, Paul speaking, he says, So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. The reality is if we deny Jesus Christ, if we deny God, if we say, God, I, I will not submit to you, I will not turn to you, I, I, I don't believe you exist, whatever you might say to God, if we deny him forever, he will deny us. If we will not acknowledge that he is our saviour and our king, he will deny us. That's what his word tells us. But if we are unfaithful, in other words, if we know Jesus is our Saviour, if we call on the name of the Lord, the Bible tells us we will be saved. Even if we are unfaithful, even if we fall and we stumble and we trip up and we try and we fail, we might be unfaithful, but He will stay faithful forever. You can never fall out of your salvation if your faith is in Jesus Christ. He will not forget you. He will not leave you. He will not run away from you, but he longs for you to come to him. He has given everything so that you can be his child, that you can be with him for eternity, that you can live in relationship with him even today. Jesus will never forget your name. And he continues day by day by day to call us to come to him, saying, come, follow me, come, Follow me. It's interesting that Levi, he, he just leaves his tax collector booth and walks off. I can't imagine what the Romans were going to say when they found out about it. It's like, he left his post. But he leaves everything and goes after Jesus. I wonder if he, he was aware of who Jesus was. He had some inkling of who this Jesus was. But up until that point, he sort of thought, why would Jesus care about me? Why would God have any care about me? He would not want me to be anywhere near him. But when he realized that Jesus was calling him, he's like, wow. The God of the universe, Jesus, the Savior of the world, not that he would have fully understood that yet, he's calling me. And I believe God wants us to know that no matter who we are, what we've done, that Jesus, God, the creator of the universe, is calling us to come follow him. Number two, I believe God wants us to know that and he wants us to listen and trust Jesus' call to you. God wants you to listen and trust Jesus' call to you, to understand what he's saying, to hear what he's saying and trust him. It's one thing to hear the call, it's one thing to believe the call, but it's another thing to obey, it's another thing to, to step into that thing that God's calling you to. Sometimes it's a little bit challenging, but he wants us to listen and trust his call. Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4, I think it's three or four times it says, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts 
as Israel did in the wilderness, as Israel did in this time and Israel did in that time, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. God is speaking today. God is alive today. His spirit is here today. And I believe his spirit is wanting to call every single one of us today. And today, when you hear his voice, I encourage you, I plead with you, please do not harden your heart. Do not block it out. Do not ignore it. Do not choose to keep just building your own life the way you thought it should go. But listen to God's call. Listen to his cry for you because it will bring life to you and to those that you will do life with. God can use you for his glory. God can use you to bless other people in ways that you would never even imagine. Maybe you're not sure what God's saying. How do I know this call, you might say. It says in Jeremiah 29 verse 13, it says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. There's another verse in Chronicles. I should have written it down. It talks about how the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God searches the whole earth, looking, wanting, desiring to strengthen anyone who would be fully committed to him. That's his desire. He wants to speak to you. He wants to lead you. He doesn't withhold his voice from us. He doesn't hold back from us. He desires to lead us. He sent the Holy Spirit to to be with us and to counsel us and to guide us in all things. It's his desire. He's calling us to salvation. He calls us to respond to what Jesus has done on the cross. But it's also in the day by day, listening to the whispers of his spirit, listening to the promptings of God. He wants us to listen and to hear his call. If you think about Levi, he listened to the call of Jesus. He said, come, follow me. So Levi heard the call. And he responded to the call. He trusted in Jesus and followed him. Zacchaeus heard the call and came out of the tree and he went back to his home with Jesus. God wants us to to hear his voice. But maybe you're saying, how does God speak to us? I just want to really briefly say five ways God speaks to us. Number one, his word. The Bible is God's word. He speaks to us through his word. It is alive. It is living. This Bible has changed millions upon millions upon millions of lives around the world for thousands of years. It it is powerful. If you read his word, you will not stay the same. Friday night, I had a great time with the youth, uh, hanging out with them and helping out a bit and uh, being able to be part of Dan's small group. He did a great job. And uh, and we're talking about the armor of God and how, how God's word, the helmet of salvation, as we, as we see what God has done, it protects our minds, it guards our minds. His word is powerful and we need to know it. If you want to know how God speaks, his word is one of the most powerful ways. His, his, his creation, all creation declares the glory of God. I don't know how many times I've been outside or on a bike ride at the beach, wherever it might be, and I see a beautiful sunset, the beach, the scenery, and you just think, wow, God, you are amazing. And God speaks to us through his creation. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, 
sometimes he gives us dreams and visions and sometimes it's just like a still small whisper in our hearts just saying, Andrew, don't, don't do that. Andrew, go and talk to that person. Go and encourage that person. Sometimes it's just a still small voice. Um, I remember when Rob Bailey was here, he talks about the five senses and how sometimes we, in, in the spiritual, we, we, we see visions and, and, and things that God's speaking to us. Sometimes we hear in our spirit, things God's saying to us. We, we sense things that God's saying to us through our, our spiritual senses. He speaks to us by His Spirit. He speaks to us through other believers, through other people. God speaks to us. As we, as we come together, it's so important, it's so good for us to come together, to be challenged by each other, to, to submit our, our desires and our, our thoughts to one another and to allow others to speak into our situation. God speaks to us so often through other people in ways they don't understand sometimes. And fifthly, through circumstances. God speaks to us. If you read through Acts, it says Paul said that God stopped us from going this way. God blocked us going this way. God speaks to us through our circumstances sometimes and we just get the sense that God's saying, no, don't go that way. He's, he's, he's closing that door. Don't keep trying to go that way. But sometimes we need to stop and we need to listen to those circumstances that God is really speaking to us through. We need to listen and trust Jesus' call to us. Do we trust it? Are we stepping into it? Thirdly, following Jesus' call. Following Jesus means inviting him in. You know, Levi, he, he, he gets called by Jesus. He goes and follows Jesus. But then what does he do? Do you remember? He has a banquet. He throws a banquet and he invites all his tax-collecting buddies because they're the only people that will hang around with tax collectors. Other tax collectors. Because everyone else hates them. And it says all these notorious sinners gathered together. As, as Jesus was the guest of honour, Levi throws this party and says, Jesus, I want you to come and come into this, this circle of my friends. I want you to come in and I want my friends to meet you, Jesus. You know, Jesus wants us to invite him into our lives. He wants us to invite him into our circle of friends, into our workplace, into our family. He doesn't want us to sort of say, yep, yeah, Jesus, you're a great bloke. I thank you for saving me. Can you just like wait here for a bit while I go and hang out with these people? Because these people like you don't want to meet these people, Jesus. Seriously. Jesus doesn't want us to go off and do life and leave him at church. God wants us to invite him into our lives, in our situation, in our world, and the circumstances we're going through. He waits and desires that we would open the door and allow him in. That's his desire. It says when Levi has this party and Jesus goes, it says the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law, they get angry. They're like, how could Jesus associate with these sinners, with, these, with this scum? They're appalled. But you know, Jesus wasn't ashamed to be hanging out with these sinners. Jesus was never ashamed to go and hang out with notorious sinners. Jesus would go and he would bring life in the darkness. And you might feel like a notorious sinner, you might feel like the scum, but Jesus is not ashamed to be, to be found with you. Jesus wants to dwell with you. He wants you to do life with him in the room. <laughs> Not physically, but knowing he's there with you. He wants you to invite him into your life. 
and he can change that situation. If you think about Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus hears Jesus call to come out of the tree, he comes down, they go to his house, and then instantly, it doesn't tell us anything else that happened, it says Zacchaeus says, Jesus, I'm going to give away half my wealth to the poor. And I think he's kind of a little bit too ashamed. He's like, and if I've cheated anybody, like, I don't want to be honest totally here, Jesus, but if I did, Jesus, I'm really sorry. And I'm going to give four times back to all those people I stole from. And I think Jesus, uh, Zacchaeus is inviting Jesus into his situation. I think Zacchaeus is inviting Jesus into his life. He's not kind of saying, Jesus, thank you for your love for me. Thank you for what you're doing on this earth. And I'm going to go and be a tax collector and keep doing what I've always done. Zacchaeus is changed by that moment. He says, Jesus, I want you to rule my life. I want, I want to live your way. I want to live according to your kingdom. And his life is changed because he invites Jesus into those situations, into those decisions, and he begins to build his life in a different way. Like, just imagine that just the, the choices he was making day by day was all about greed and pleasure, but suddenly he starts to want to build for God's glory. And it just takes one strand at a time. And you know what? We might have been building for a long, 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 long time in a wrong way. But in a moment, Jesus can set us free from years and years and years of bondage. God is able to cut through the thickest cord of bondage. Jesus can break every chain that binds us. He has broken the chains that have bound us. He sets the captives free. Jesus has overcome sin and death on the cross. It is finished. Two Corinthians chapter three verse seventeen says this: it "says Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom." God wants His Spirit to come into our life to to lead us and to guide us into liberty, into freedom that we might live and have the life that God created us to live, that we could be the bringers of peace, that we could be the bringers of joy and liberty and freedom for others, other people's lives. But following Jesus means inviting him in. I wonder, are you ready? Have you, are you inviting Jesus into your world day by day by day, moment by moment? Strand by strand, decision by decision, we build the life that we have. As a church, we did a series, uh, it's about two years ago, I couldn't believe it when I looked. It's uh, called Why Church? We talked about why do we do church? What are we about as a church? And as a church, we want to build in this way. We want to build in relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to build our relationship with Him. We want to build relationship with one another. We don't want to forsake our relationship with one another or with God. We talked about Jesus has called us to relationship. And we talked about how we're called to be messengers to the lost. It's about the mission of Jesus. That without the gospel, without Jesus, without, without the gospel, there is no hope. It's the gospel that saves. It's the message of Jesus Christ that is our mission in life and as a church. That's what we're about. But also that we call Jesus is worthy of our praise and our honour. And we want to honour God in every part of our life. 
We want to honour God with our, our finances. We want to honour God with our, our businesses, with our studies, in our relationships with each other. We want to honour God and we want to honour each other. Well, this is, I believe this is the way God wants us to be building as a church, decision by decision. Not just making a few decisions over here that are, oh, we're just going to do this over here for a while, then we'll come back to that. I believe God wants us to build with these things in mind, that together we would grow to become more like Christ. We want to become mature believers in Christ. Not staying like infants that always need to be fed, as it talks about. But this is the way we want to build as a church. It says, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus loves lost people. Jesus loves every sinner. Jesus loves every person on this earth. And he wants them to hear his call. I want to finish by looking at another passage just immediately after uh, Luke 5 when we read about Levi. In Luke chapter 5 verse 33, it says this. One day some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? Why are you guys having so much fun and being joyful? And Jesus responded. Actually, I'm just going to go back a step there. I believe God wants us to be a church that is alive, that we aren't always solemn and somber. We should have the joy of the Lord as our strength. Amen? I just had to say that. Jesus responded. Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. There is a time to fast and to pray. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of, pe- no one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. Can you imagine that? You've, you've got a hole in your, 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 your pants at home and you think, right, I'm going to Target. I'm going to go buy a new pair of pants. I'm going to cut a hole in the knee. I'm going to stick it on the old pair of pants. That's just dumb. For the new garment would be ruined. Sorry, this is back to the Bible now. For the new garment would be ruined. And the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. That's just silly. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. God wants to fill us with his new wine, which is his spirit. God doesn't want us to be filled with wine and drunkenness, but to be filled with the wine of his spirit, the spirit of the Lord that brings joy, the spirit of the Lord that brings life to us. He wants to fill us with his new wine, which is his spirit. But first, we've got to become new creations. The old sinful me cannot contain the presence of God, but Jesus came to take my sin away, to wash my sin away. And when we call on Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, we become new creations in Christ. The old is gone, the new is come, and God wants to fill us with his Spirit, with that new wine. But I also believe that God wants to fill us with new wine today, even if we've been saved for a long, 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 long time. I don't believe God just wanted to fill us with the Spirit once 10 years ago, and that's the end of it. 
God wants to continually be filling us with his spirit day by day that we would be filled continually by his spirit. He says in that verse we just read, does this go backwards? It doesn't look like it goes backwards. That's all right. He says, those who have the old wine don't seem to want the new. And I think we can sometimes be satisfied with what we've had in the past and we sort of think, yeah, we know God loves us. Yeah, we know God's good. We know it's all going to be okay in the end. (sighs) But we'll just get through. I believe God wants us to hear his call today. To know that he wants to make us new again today. That not to live on our past experience, not to try and pursue those things that we've had in the past, but to hear God's call for us today to be refined. In our prayer meeting yesterday, in the 24 hours of prayer, God just put on my heart that his spirit is a refining fire. And he has not finished that refining work in any one of us. He wants to continue to refine us, to change us, to let us be broken in order to grow and to be filled again and filled more and filled again and and out of the fullness of His Spirit in us, out of the overflow of our heart, we would share that Spirit of His with others. The Spirit of love and joy that God has for us, that we would overflow with that new wine for others to hear the love of God in our world. God wants us to hear His call, to invite Him in, and to be filled that we too might also go out and take that message, that, that hope, that joy that we have in Him, that others too could experience that new wine. God wants to fill us with that new wine. I'm going to ask the band to come this morning, and we're going to sing this morning that new song called New Wine. But before we do, I just want to read this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Thanks, Josiah. It says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Actually, we'll just keep going, Josiah. I'll find it in here so I can read along. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit and as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see 
will last forever. I wonder what life are we building? Are we building strand by strand for the glory of God, for His eternal kingdom? Is His eternal kingdom His joy, His approval, His call? Is that our focus today? I want to ask us to stand. I just want to pray. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you that you love even the worst of sinners. Lord, that every one of us is the worst of sinners. Lord, we've all turned our back on you. But let yet, Lord Jesus, you offer us life and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. God, we want to say thank you for calling every one of us for calling us to say, let me in. God, we want to invite you in again today. God, we're sorry for the things we've built, the the choices we've made that have been just our own pursuits, our own greedy pleasure. Lord God, we want to build for your glory, for your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, that you continually remain faithful even when we are unfaithful. Well, God, I thank you that your word says, and anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If there's anyone here this morning that you've never cried out to God, you've never said, sorry, Jesus, for the things I've done. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Today, you can, you can say those words, please forgive me, God. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sin. And if you mean that prayer as you pray it, you are forgiven. You are set free. Every chain that has bound you, every, every, everything you've done in your life cannot hold God's love away from you. It says all of heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. When one sinner prays that prayer and says, God, I want to live for you. I want to follow you. It says all of heaven rejoices Because God so loves you. And God, I just pray for us as a church that you would help us to, day by day, to hear your call, to hear the still small voice, to, to listen to what you're saying in your word, to be readers of your word, to, to know your word, to become mature in our faith. Uh, day by day, we would be led by your spirit, that you would fill us day by day with that new wine. Not just so we can have more and more of you, God, but so that we can be filled with you to give it away to others, so that we can share with others what you're doing in us. And God, through all the the challenges, the, the pressing, we just pray that through it all that you would be glorified, that you would be lifted up. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's sing this song this morning. If you need prayer this morning, if there's something you're going through that you would love someone to pray with you, Please feel free to just come forward as we sing now. Maybe you've made that decision to say, I want to follow Jesus, but I have no clue what to do next. (laughs) Maybe you want to come down the front and we can give you some materials and things to help you on that journey. And we can pray with you as you start that journey with Him. It's not just a moment, but it's building day by day by day, continuing to pursue the things that He's calling us to. Let's sing and let's give glory and honor to our Savior and our King.